You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. Yo, what's up, Jaguar Nation? Welcome back to the Jags Den Podcast, the number one and go-to Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. I am your host here this evening, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And joining me from his his home, uh, we have our fearless leader of the Jaguars Wire, James Johnson, a.k.a. Sports Grind underscore Don. Jay, how are you doing this week? Feel, uh, hopefully feeling pretty good after a win. Yeah, absolutely, man. Reporting here from, as me and Josh like to call it, the Yellow Label Studios here. <laughs> uh, shout outs to Josh. But yeah, man, feeling pretty good after the win. Uh, you know, typically around this, this part of the week, it's midweek and me and you are kind of tired and burnt out. But uh, it's easier to deal with, so to speak, when uh, the Jags are coming off a win, which uh, we'll talk on. And uh, yeah, can't wait to move forward. And uh, as we inch closer to 500, one game away and We'll be taking on the Jets this week, who um, concern me a little bit, and we'll actually get into that later, though. Yeah, we got the Jets coming into town, and hopefully, with with it being so close to Halloween, uh, we can take advantage of a startled, you know, Sam Darnold. But we'll get into that here uh, in a, in a <laughs> little bit. Maybe that's ghosts. a little bit of a cheap, <laughs> a little bit of a cheap <laughs> shot. But you know, you got to get him in where you can before we get into this week's topic, you guys. Want to make sure that you're following the website. We you can find all the up to date Jaguar news at jaguarswire.usatoday.com. You can also follow the podcast at Jags Den Podcast. Also the website at the Jaguars Wire. You can find Jay at SportsGrind underscore Don. Myself at Phil the Filipino F I L I P I N O. And our other colleague who could not join us here tonight, Jacob DeLawrence at underscore. Jay Della, and of course, you can actually find the podcast pretty much wherever you listen to your podcast: Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and we are on USA Today's Audio Boom Network. So, yeah, Jay, let's get right into it. Some quick hits, as we usually like to start off with. Uh, one of the uh, probably the biggest news that came out here today is that Nick Foles, uh, Big Nick Energy, returned back to practice here today on a limited basis. He was out there throwing the football. Uh, DJ Hayden had a nice uh, little soundbite about about Nick coming back, uh, said he looked pretty good. He was out there slanging it is the words and the verbiage that he <laughs> used. Um, so it uh, sounds like he is going to be on track to be available week 11 versus the Colts. Jay, we won't get too, you know, too into depth of what they should do come week 11, but uh, anything of note that you had heard about this return for Nick Foles? Is it much ado about nothing? Does it just really mean he's on schedule as, as we had hoped? Yeah. And shout outs to Hayden, man. He's like providing the most premier content in the locker room, especially since, uh, you know, when, with Jalen's absence, even when he was still a part of the team and uh, they weren't getting much out of him in terms of the media, like ever since like DJ Hayden, and shout-outs to, I think it's Ben Murphy from First Coast News, who's the one who uh, gets a lot of the interviews from Hayden, man, because he's been having me dying. I don't know if you saw, the which we might get into later, what he was saying about Sam Darnold. Did you see that? I did not. Okay, it's on it's on Jags Wire when you get a chance, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that later, about the Jets or whatever. Um, but, yeah, that being said, yeah, the, I mean, right now, like you said, like we can't really put too much into like who's going to start and who's going to – uh, play in terms of week 11 when the Jazz play the Colts between Minshew and Foles based off of this. And I don't think the Jags even know at this point. Right now, they're just bringing Foles along gradually. Uh, Del Marone talked about it earlier, and he was saying that, you know, the plan is between him, Nick Foles, uh, offensive coordinator John Filippo, and quarterback coach Scott Milanovic, a.k.a. Milo, as they call him. But they got a plan to bring Foles uh, back into the mix gradually, uh, let him do some seven-on-sevens and work on scout team and uh, this, that, and the other, and kind of see where he's at and kind of, uh, you know, have it to the point where week 11, if he's starting, they're not rushing him into it. Uh, but that being said, uh, it, you know, it's other variables to play into. Uh, if Foles will return on week 11, you know, if Gardner Minshew is rolling and and uh, the offense is clicking and, you know, they, it looks like the Jaguars can't be stopped or, or they're doing some very good things on the field. You know, you would think maybe they would probably keep Minshew in there. But, that you, again, you know, 
that's another story for another time. But really, yeah, it's really a, a matter of um, later down the road, you know, how Foles progresses in terms of his health and uh, where where Gardner Minshew is in terms of progress. Uh, so we will see. Yeah, so of course we will keep an eye on that. Uh, I would think, you know, like you said, it's a, a discussion we can definitely go into depth with at another time. But what you, you'd have to think that when you invest – Put this kind of investment into a guy they would like to see him play more than, you know, a player two, which is what he got out of week one. So we will keep our eye on Foles' watch. We will uh, we will deem it here. So we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to some other news. Marcel Darius missed practice on Wednesday. Um, per Ian Rappaport, he has a core muscle injury, which actually could require surgery. And if that surgery is required, he could miss anywhere between four to six weeks. Um, so a defense day that, you know, at the points of this season we have, and especially the game against the Bengals, you know, we have seen glimpses of that 2017 magic. What would this mean? Uh, you know, I, I definitely, I think you may agree with me, you know, this team definitely doesn't have the depth that the 2017 team had. So what would this mean if Marcel Darius goes out for a significant amount of time? Yeah, they... You know, that will put them without their best, in most people's eyes, and in my opinion, their best run in, uh, run defender and um, most definitely their best run defender in the interior uh, because he, he he commands a lot of double teams and, you know, he frees up the guys around him. I mean, Taven Bryan, who we could probably talk about a little later, actually mentioned this um, about his recent success, and I'm talking about Bryan's re- recent success, uh, but he was saying, look, man, I play next to Marcel Darius and Aubrey Jones, and uh, that has freed me up and allowed me to make a lot of plays behind the line of, line of scrimmage, which, uh, you know, Taven's just been absolutely impressive, man. I, I think um, I looked on PFF the other day. He had like a 74 in terms of a grade. So, you know, one of the higher graded people on the team. And, uh, yeah, I just – right now it's, it's just kind of fascinating to see where he is. But in terms of Darius – uh, yeah, that that would definitely cripple them, especially for a team that has struggled against the run in the past. You know, we always talk about this. You know, the the defense isn't consistent, and one department they aren't consistent in is against the run. And uh, without your your best defender in the interior, that's gonna complicate things. So I mean, they have uh, Dontavious Russell, who they drafted in the last round of this year's draft who's uh, been mostly inactive this year in terms of the regular season, but they have him. He could step in at nose tackle. Uh, you know, Avery Jones has played at nose tackle um, at, at times, you know, although, you know, they kind of – they tend to put him and Darius on the field together. Uh, but, you know, if there was a case where Darius would need surgery, you know, obviously he'll see a lot of significant play time as well as Tape and Brian. Uh, so, but I, I think the name to probably look out for, especially this week, he might get some more play time, is, is Russell uh, and, and see him in there pair with like Tave and Brian or maybe Avery Jones. But uh, we'll have to see if he's active first before we can jump the gun on that. So. Uh, on the injury, also one thing I do want to say is I think the Jags need to, if they're gonna let him have surgery, they need to do it relatively quickly, uh, so he can, you know, he can come back and be ready for a playoff push if you know the Jaguars are pushing for the playoffs, and um, you know, kind of get it out of the way so they can get him on the field fast as they can because, like I say, they have these lapses against the run, and they may need him later if they make a push in the playoffs down the road. So I guess we'll see the bye weeks coming up in two weeks. Uh, you know, maybe they're looking at the bye week and maybe they're looking to get Marcel to the bye week before uh, letting him get the surgery if they have a plan indeed. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Something else, of course, we will have to keep an eye on. And, you know, we're getting to that point of the point of the season where, you know, it's really just a war of attrition, you know, who's going to be the healthiest down the stretch and uh, where we could be getting back a guy like Nick Foles on the offensive side, we may be uh, may end up with a loss on the defensive side. We will see what happens. Um, so the Jaguars, um, of course, making some more moves this week. Um, they're, they're pretty beaten up at linebacker. They went out and signed former Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith, who I honestly didn't even know was still playing football. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I had no idea. I had not heard that name probably since the Super Bowl. Um, and also former linebacker uh, that we have, we've had here, Donald Payne. They also had to put Jeff Swaim on the, uh, and DJ Alexander 
on injured reserve, and they also signed Joe Giles Harris off of the practice squad, um, and re- which resulted in the release of uh, the cornerback we had just signed a couple weeks ago, whose name is whose name is escaping me right now. Um, uh, trying Perry to pull up. Nick- Perry Nickerson. Perry, Perry Nickerson. Um, yeah, and then we also released uh, Chase Islitton. Uh, the quarterback <laughs> from their <laughs> right. practice squad as well. So a lot of moves going on here, Jay. Um, you know, does anything? You, what, what do you think they get out of Malcolm Smith? I think it's nice to have a familiar face like Donald Payne around mm-hmm. uh, to maybe you know minimize the the loss of those guys. But what do you what do you make of these uh, these additions and subtractions that we've seen here in the last couple of days? Also, I just want to give a really quick shout out to SCU who are sporting their Jaguar colors on <laughs> AEW Dynamite. Um, they wore that attire uh, when uh, when we went and saw Fight for the Fallen. So shout out to SCU for continuing to support the worst town they've ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm watching it myself here. So uh, excuse me if I feel a little distracted. Actually, they just won the match. So I <laughs> uh, don't want to spoil colors, AEW it's for colors. anybody. <laughs> uh, but right. yeah, well, yeah, it was the colors that did it. It was because of the colors they wore. But, uh, yeah, that being said, in terms of this linebacker situation, uh, one thing this does say to me is that the Jaguars came out of that, albeit they won the game, they came out of this Bengals game fairly beat up. Uh, Quincy Williams, I know, is uh, a guy that I think he's on the injury report, and he exited the game but came back in, if I'm not mistaken. He had a handy. Um, I think uh, Najee Good had a foot injury. Uh, don't know the status of him, but I think he's on the injury report. I have to look at it again. Uh, tonight and and I'll put that up on Jaguars Wire. Uh, so the, then I think um, also uh, Leon Jacobs. I think he also sustained an injury. Don't know if he came back into the game or not. But that explains all of these moves. Uh, and the one that's the most concerning is the Najee Good injury because he was playing really good and uh, he you know he had previously taken over that spot from Quincy Williams and and he was a guy that was. You know, filling in the gaps in terms of stopping the run very well. So, you know, not only are we maybe looking at a future without Marcel Darius to continue the rest of the season, but we might be without Najee Good as well, who has really helped in the run game as well. So, you know, like it's looking real sketchy, at least for now, in terms of us and when it comes to defending the run. And uh, that's kind of concerning, especially when you're playing a guy like um my man from uh the the Jets that's escaping me um that who they signed this off season who was it Phil Le'Veon uh, Bell Mosley? Oh, you're talking about offense. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, it was Le'Veon Bell. So albeit Le'Veon is kind of struggling uh, when I looked at his stats, but still, you know, Le'Veon is that guy that can have one of those games against you and turn it on and then from the rest of the season, uh he he could be a new player going forward, but um We'll talk about that later. So, yeah, to sign Malcolm Smith, that shocked me. And like you said, I forgot Malcolm Smith was in the league. He's And I looked at his age, he's only 30. So it's not like, you know what I'm saying? I was thinking he was like 32, 33 or something like that. But he's only 30. He's a guy that he makes a lot of sense in the, the sense that Todd Wash came from that Seahawks tree. He runs that Seahawks tree type of scheme. So, you know, Malcolm should come right in and, and pretty much uh, fit right in. Donald Payne, again, like you said, that's another guy that's familiar with the scheme, spent last year with us, made a lot of plays on special teams. And, uh, you know, he was a guy that stood out from that perspective, but he knows the playbook, he knows the scheme. So it looks like the Jaguars really wanted to bring in people that can come in right away and contribute to some capacity, uh, including Joe Giles Harris, again, who, as you said, we signed off of the practice squad. He was a guy they were really high on in the preseason. He started in the last preseason game, looked good in the process. And, I mean, he looked good in the preseason in general. I think he had, like, 15 tackles. He was one of the stars of the preseason. But uh, with final after final cuts, when they brought in the waiver wire people, they ended up cutting him and putting him back on practice squad not too soon after so that kind of tells you what they view him as. That he's a guy that they view as a developmental guy that they really like. Uh, so, yeah, he's another guy that is familiar with everything. Uh, so, yeah, at least the Jaguars have some reserves or some people that might have to step in in a starting role. And uh, some, some guys that do know the scheme for the most part and should make a transition uh, relatively easy. Yes, and hopefully, you know, some that are that seem minor right now, but hopefully have a major payoff. We will 
again, keep an eye on those guys. It would be, I'm sure a guy like Malcolm Smith will be determined to come in and show that, you know, he still has something to offer the league. It's funny, you know, when, when I heard the name come up that we had re-signed, it reminded me when we, when we brought in, when we had, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gus Bradley sort of bringing in all these ex Seahawks players. You know, we had who do we have? Uh, who was the what was the Red name of the um, Brian. uh, Red Bryant, um, the defensive end? Who was uh, the defensive Chris Clemens. Uh, Oh gosh, Chris Clemens. And then we also had a DB, I believe, that we brought in. Was too, it Black- that Will didn't really Blackman? Pan out. It might have been Will Blackman. Yeah, I mean, I just remember none of those guys panning out really. I mean, Chris Clemens was okay, you, mm-hmm. you know, but. The rest of them were pretty uh, had a pretty minor impact on the on the team altogether. Um, but yeah, so just some more some more movement uh, as far as the roster, and you know, just when you get beat up like that, you know, you'll you'll see a lot of these things uh, happen. So in the last little bit of news that we'll get before our main topics of the week, uh, Josh Lambeau, man, just the 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 best offensive weapon we've had here. <laughs> In years, it seems. Uh, that guy, he wins special teams player of the week for week seven. Uh, he becomes just the second player in franchise history since uh, to win it twice in one year since Josh Scobie did it back in 2005. He went four for four on his field, uh, field goal attempts. Um, um, brings him to 18 for 18 in terms of field goals on the season. Um, so of course, the Jaguars have you know have struggled to find the end zone on certain occasions. So Lambo has contributed 54 points in field goals to the team's point total on the year. Um, he also won back in Week Four, you know, after uh, beating the Denver Broncos, where he kicked that game winner. Um, but yeah, it's it's I mean a guy as we mentioned I think last week, you know, where maybe he just needed a change of scenery. And now he's 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 flourishing here after struggling in in San Diego. So it just you know, like I said, not not too much to talk about here. But what do you what do you got to say about 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 Lambo and man? Just like I, said, I think we talked about this last week too, where um, so many teams are having kicking problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just nice to have a guy that we can rely on. Yeah, man, again, special teams are just repeating when I said last week. It's just kind of a lost art. And uh, this is not to take anything from uh, Lambeau, but uh, Joe D. Camillas is, again, one of the better special teams coaches in the league, and I'm glad to have him. I remember when we were making our signings, he was one of the guys that stood out to me uh, because I wasn't, like, overly impressed with the staff that was made when, you know, Marone came in, but he was one of definitely one of the standouts. And, uh, you know, Joe D. Camillas, I mean, to kind of tell you, like, how highly he's regarded. I think he uh, actually played uh, or, or um, had a game where he was an interim head coach for the Broncos. Uh, so that kind of tells you like how he was regarded on the pecking order on the Broncos uh, coaching staff when he was there previously. So, but back to Lambeau, man, just glad to have a kicker that we can rely on. He's been super accurate uh, since coming here. And uh, yeah, he, you know what I'm saying? In a time where special teams, uh, especially kickers are struggling, man. It's it's always good to know that, like, if we need a field goal to win this game, he's gonna give it to us and he's gonna deliver. Yep, like I said, it's just nice to have a guy that's automatic like that. And, and let me tell you, and I, I think Jaguar fans know, coming off of the Jason Myers era, they know <laughs> how to uh, appreciate you know something like that. So it's it's good to. Uh, it's nice to have at least some kind of consistency around here. So, uh, yeah, but that's it for the quick hits here this week. And we're going to get into the bulk of our, or into the main topics here this week. We're going to go into, of course, the box score and any takeaways we had, um, in the, uh, in the, between the, and, and from the Bengals matchup, and then also speak on uh, next week's matchup versus the Jets. However, we do have a little bit of, uh, news and hopefully, this will be the last time we talk about it this year, Jay. <laughs> but it's just the hits. The hits just keep on coming, and we you know we we gotta we we unfortunately have to cover them. No, no, I wouldn't say unfortunately, but we are going to cover them right. as uh, you know, really, like it's part of our job. So we're gonna get into it. Jalen Ramsey was on ESPN this past Sunday speaking with Ryan Clark, and he wanted to talk about on NFL Countdown, and wanted to talk about the you know, of course, everything that went down here leading up to his eventual trade to the LA Rams. Um, we'll go into bits and pieces of the interview and, you know, Jay, well, I, I think what we can do is we can, 
we can switch off a little bit, um, you know, just to, as far as any key points we, we took away from this. I did not watch the full interview. I have not gotten a chance to watch it yet, mm-hmm. um, but do want to get get some of the key points on uh, on here. So here's one, one of the first things that came up, um, and this is from um, this. This has all been transcribed by uh, John Shipley of Jaguar Maven um, from, I believe, Sports Illustrated. So this is Jalen here, quote, saying it started when there was a front office change in Jacksonville. I wonder who that could be. Ramsey said uh, some guys were put in positions of power who didn't care to understand even us as players or us as people in general. He would go on to say, I have always went it went to, to everything mandatory, always, but not going to voluntary workouts. I was talked bad about by some guys in the front office to the media. Again, who could that be? I was basically portrayed, I guess you could say, as a bum, to be honest. Um, this, of course, was most likely referring to the uh, the hiring of Tom Coughlin. Um, not really a surprise whatsoever, that this was part of, you know, part of him, part of his, him being disgruntled. Um, uh, moving on here, he did also clarify that uh, his incident that he had with Doug Marone um, did not, was not the starter, uh, the starting point of all this. He added that the explosion was simply a result of Marone not trusting him enough to challenge a drop pass by DeAndre Hopkins that Ramsey witnessed. Despite all of that, Ramsey insisted that his relationship was good with Coach Marone and that both of them were over it within a matter of minutes. Um, the fight was more so, yo, I'm one of your top players and you asked me to do this tough task during the game. I want you to trust me. That's all it was, Ramsey said. If you would have thrown a flag and we would have lost, we would have lost it, I would have came to you like, hey, I appreciate you trusting me, but my bad. But the fact that he didn't throw the challenge flag, it rubbed me the wrong way. We had a situation on the sideline. We were done with it. So let's just stop there mm-hmm. um, before we go on because there's a lot to unpackage here. There's a, we're going to get into a lot of this. And so so what do you make of those comments right off the bat here? Of course, he's referring – we know who he's referring to in, in that first quote. Right. Um, what, what do you make of – what do you make of this? Because I'm not surprised whatsoever that he did this interview – um, he's a very polarizing figure. He's a superstar. He is a superstar in this league, and he and it really was probably came down to when he or not necessarily if he was going to do this interview, but when and where between it was either going to be ESPN, CBS, or Fox. ESPN won the lottery and got the interview. So, what do you make of these comments? to start off yeah well first on the network i knew this made a lot of sense from the beginning and i have been saying this uh because as we all know espn has a new headquarters in la and of course they're looking for the latest stories the best stories and uh you know with Jalen ramsey moving to la like you know polarizing figure moving into the city uh that drew their attention probably and they you know they got plenty of people to do the interview i personally thought it was going to be Josina anderson but ryan clark made a lot of sense as well as a former defensive back uh, that's now a journalist uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a former defensive back with. So, uh, yeah, this interview from ESPN's perspective did not shock me. Um, and I wouldn't doubt that Jalen Ramsey also had a big say in like, hey, I, w- I want to do an interview as well. So uh, it was probably like a mutual thing that they agreed upon. But, uh, yeah, in the first statements with um, about Tom Coughlin and, you know, being he feel him feeling like a bum and the organization talking about him and the the whole thing about, you know, him not showing up to uh, the involuntary part of camp. You know, I've always said on my podcast on the back shoulder fade, once again, please feel free to check that out and shout outs to Josh Sampson, my partner in crime. But uh, yeah, I, I talked about that actually on the back shoulder fade. And uh, my biggest thing and me and you have talked about this too, is, you know, most people, have uh the capacity to kind of like if if tom coughlin called him out to kind of just blow him off and be like hey look man it's you know it's just old man coughlin being old man coughlin he's talking albeit you know what i'm saying like i can't blame somebody for not being very receptive to tom coughlin calling him out especially in a a public manner uh but yeah like you know some people could have just brushed that off while Jalen isn't one of those people unfortunately again like you know, there's some things me and you have talked about, like the maturity could be a little better. And I wish he had the maturity to just kind of let that go. Uh, but nonetheless, he didn't. And he took offense to it, obviously. Uh, the thing about it was, you know, 
look, we all know, despite him not being with the team, we all know, and this is where Tom Coughlin really didn't have to say anything about it, in my opinion. We all know Jalen was off with his father. You know, he has his uh, his his routine every year. He goes with his father in Tennessee, and he's with his family. We all know he was working hard. You know, it's, it's probably no doubt in my mind that he was working hard. And Doug Marone has even dropped in while Jalen and his friends, you know, other people in the NFL, A.J. Boye, others uh, that play in the league, uh, he's actually dropped in while everybody was, you know, working out in Tennessee with Jalen at his father's uh, his father's house or wherever they work out in Tennessee. And he's actually, you know, seen in person that these guys are like working hard, like literally they're not just playing around and horsing around like they're putting a lot into their off season. But, you know, with Tom Coughlin, he's so old school to the point where it's like, hey, you need to be here. I don't care. Not, I don't care about anything else. You need to be here, even if you're working hard elsewhere. And, you know, from a fan perspective, it doesn't bother us because we know, like I said, we know the work ethic that Jalen has and we know where his mind is. You know, he just it's just probably a matter of he wanted to be somewhere where he can work out and also spend family time during the off season because, you know, when the season is going, you don't really get a lot of that family time. So, uh, you know, he has a daughter. Uh, now he has two daughters, actually. He has a daughter that he probably wants to spend time with. So that provides him a way to be with his family and get some work done at the same time. And again, you know, Doug Marone has always said that that's where Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin have differed. And you can, again, we've talked about this in the podcast, Marone and Coughlin, you can see Marone starting to stray away from Coughlin and because when they first got there, it was all Coach Coughlin this, Coach Coughlin that. Uh, I'm a big fan of Coach Coughlin. Now, you know, Doug Marone's on the hot seat, and he has to stand for himself. And we saw that last week when he was like, I wish we could get somebody. He didn't say from the front office, but he said it in a roundabout way. I wish we could get somebody in the front office to talk to you all about this situation with Jalen. But Doug Marone never had a problem with Jalen going up into Tennessee and having his workout. And I guess really that's all that mattered. But Jalen still took offense to what Tom Coughlin said. He kind of make made a big deal of it. Me personally, I don't think it was enough to really – it wouldn't have really made me want to leave a team or look at him any differently. I would have just saw it as, hey, you know, it's just the old school guy just talking noise. Uh, but he did take it seriously nonetheless, or at least that's what he says in this interview. Some people think – Maybe he's just using this as a scapegoat to get out of Jacksonville, which he wanted to do all along. I guess only Jalen knows. But, uh, yeah, in terms of that, I don't think he should have put a lot into Tom Coughlin calling him out. I mean, I guess we could uh, agree to disagree with some people on that. Now, the other part that you mentioned, uh, what was that? Um, I really just wanted you to comment on the initial initial, um, comments on – you know, a guy being brought into the front office. And then we, as far as Doug Marone, him saying that it had nothing to do with, uh, with coach Marone and that week two altercation they had on the sideline. Um, he, he had mentioned essentially that, and we saw it play out in real time. You know, he wanted Doug, or he wanted uh, uh, Doug Marone to throw that challenge flag right away. Ultimately, right. And ultimately on a play where that I don't, I'm pretty sure he caught it. I, I would have to go back and look at it, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure Hopkins, I'm pretty sure the ball did not hit the ground. Um, but he says that everything was fine and they were over it within a matter of minutes. So, I mean, I, like I said, we can really just you just really take uh, only the parties involved, you know, take their word for it. But, right. um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the part on, on the sideline. Yeah, we kind of talked about that uh, last week, too. Like, you know, again, Jalen and that's where he went wrong. He has no business putting his hands on Coach Marone. Uh, but at the same time, Coach Marone didn't really take it personally. And again, like they, it's been said that they were over it basically within a matter of minutes. Now, where, where I do have a problem with him putting his hands on Doug Marone is to say, well, the front office, and I, I'm not any, by any means defending the front office. Well, the front office, which we'll get to later, uh, they disrespected me. You know, well, at the same time, although Marone blew it off and didn't really put nothing into it you disrespected marone too by putting your hands on him too so you know what i'm saying two wrongs don't make a right is what i'm saying and and where i'm from you don't put your hands on people that don't put your you know what i'm saying that you don't know personally or, or that did nothing to you to warrant you putting your hands on them so the whole thing about disrespect 
it kind of goes both ways too, Jalen. So, you know, that part of it, I don't know if he can throw the disrespect card around like that, especially after putting his hands on Coach Marone. Uh, but, yeah, that was really a non-factor into all of this saga. Basically, uh, him and Marone, I think, are pretty cool despite it. You know, I mean, coaches and, and players have those moments. You know, we see it all the time, but it was kind of like it got caught on camera and it kind of was it looked a little bit more serious than other situations because he put his hands on Marone. And how many times have we seen, I'm of course, never got to a physical uh, physical altercation, but how many times have we seen Tom Brady blow up on Josh McDaniels right. or, you know, exactly. somebody like, like that? It, it happens a lot, uh, you know, a little bit of a double standard there. But we'll move on with some of our other, uh, some of the other quotes that came out of this uh came out of this interview. So the last key moment that Ramsey spoke about was a meeting that he had, uh, he and Tom Coughlin had. He revealed that it took place in a small room uh, with three others um, that, uh, that were in the room, and uh, none of them were Coach Marone. Um, he said, quote, after the game, I get called into a meeting, a little small room, and I'm not going to go into all the details of that meeting. But it was some front office guys in that meeting, about four guys and myself. The disrespect got to another level in that meeting. And mind you, Coach Marone wasn't even in that meeting. He would go on to say, two of y'all are sitting down, who I really respect a lot. And then, you know, another certain two were standing up uh, standing up like over me. Um, according to reports, Coffin was one of the people in that meeting, but it's not known who the others were. Um, we can speculate that on that here shortly. Um, and, and essentially, the way that he was spoken to in that meeting led to him immediately calling his his agent afterwards and saying, Hey, uh, you know, I don't want to be in Jacksonville anymore. This is part of the interview that I did see on Twitter again and have not been able to watch the entire thing quite yet. Um, but yeah, what do you make of that? Um, it, it seems like at least what he's making it out that this interaction was where he finally decided it was time for him to move on. Um, who, you know, what do you think of, of this, uh, you know, this incident and who do you think if you wanted to speculate, if you if you want to go down that route, that road or the other people in the room. Yeah, I, I think me and you would probably agree. And if Jacob was here, we probably could agree if he is telling the truth. The four people were Tom Coughlin. Again, we, it's been confirmed by uh, many people and many reports. Uh, Jay Glazer was the one who said it um, was the first one to say it, I believe. Or it might have been Stephen A. Smith or one of the major guys. But we can probably confirm it. I mean, and, and it's no probably in it. Tom Coughlin was one, and I think we would agree that it was probably Shot Khan, Tony Khan, and Dave Caldwell. I mean, are you in sync with right. there? Yeah, no, I think that's probably a good, a good guess. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you know the part where that was the most interesting part of this, the whole uh, interview was where he said, you know, I respect two of them. Of course, that's probably Shot and Tony. If Shot and Tony were there. And uh, the interesting part was he said he doesn't respect the other two. Of course, we know how the relationship between him and Tom Coughlin is. But I found it interesting that if Dave Caldwell was the other person that he's saying that he didn't respect, I found that interesting because, you know, Dave Caldwell is the guy that drafted him. And again, like, I don't know. I, me and you've talked about this. I always felt that like a lot. Dave Caldwell gets blamed for a lot of stuff that's out of his control. Like the first thing people say when the front office does something wrong is, oh, Dave Caldwell needs to be fired. And it's like, well, yeah, he needs to be fired. But I, I never understood why people go to Dave Caldwell first when Dave Caldwell, well, basically now has a boss and Tom Coughlin is over him. So I said all of that to basically say this i just found it interesting that uh it's it's possible that Jalen ramsey has beef with dave caldwell and it you know I, I have to wonder why because dave caldwell essentially is under coughlin and taking orders uh but you know maybe he knows something uh that we don't on that end but uh yeah in terms of like again with him playing the disrespect card that's you know what i'm saying like again Two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah, they may have spoke to you the wrong way. They may have disrespected you uh, in that room. We don't know. Uh, we can only speculate. But at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? You can't play that respect card when, again, you disrespected Doug Marone. Although he didn't see it as disrespect, you disrespected Doug Marone by putting your hands on him. And you know what I'm saying? So it it goes both ways. You know, Jalen, if you're going to mention respect, you should at least give, and he may have gave Doug Marone an apology behind the scenes or whatever the case may be. Uh, but yeah, you need to 
also say that, hey, it was disrespectful of me to put my hands on the coach, albeit it was a light shove, albeit it was nothing major. At the same time, you know, you still disrespected him by putting your hands on him when he did nothing to warrant that. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty spot on with, uh, you know, a lot of what I would I would echo as well there, Jay. I mean, you really we've we've already talked at length of this and i and i and i know for a fact that you know the people in this town are, are tired of of hearing about it um but you know there's just a lot to get to to unpack here and in, in this interview and you know i i ultimately think that maybe even going in to this year you know jalen probably didn't want to be here anymore mm-hmm. um even after even though the team could have could hold on to his rights for an extended amount of time. Uh, I think it, it was most likely when he was going to be able to get out, he would get out. And, you know, we've seen we're entering a new, a new era here in the league where players are dictating where they get to go. And I think it was just a matter of time, honestly. Uh, I, I think a lot of this stemmed probably from the team severely underperforming last year mm-hmm. and riding with, with Blake longer than they should have um, for, especially with a guy in Jalen who just wants to win, man, he's been a winner his entire life and having that little taste of success in 2017 and then going back right back to the way it was, I'm sure took a tremendous toll on him and everybody in the locker room. So uh, you know, there's it, really not much else to, to add to it other than um, it's it's it is what it is now. And we'll see. We'll see what happens, uh, you know, for for him. And we already you know, already said last week, um, I'm sure I speak for 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 Jacob as well, who is a Florida State fan. But uh, we know we just wish him the best and and hope that he uh, he uh, you know finds what, he, what he's looking for. It was um we already know that he has tremendous healing powers because he was out there <laughs> against Julio uh, in the Rams. Um, or the, uh, he was out there against the Falcons and um, uh, was able to force a fumble. And, you know, at least on the field, he, he, he seemed to start beginning to get back to normal. But um, guys like Jalen talk, man, this isn't the last that we're going to hear of him, uh, you know, but it is the – um, you know, probably the last we're going to uh, mention him in terms of Jaguar saw because now it's now now the Rams now the Rams wire can handle it. You know, yeah, from, right. <laughs> from here on out, right. we'll let we'll let those guys continue their great work. Um, but yeah, yeah. Not I, well, I want to add. say one more we'll thing just, too. I, I think like w- one of the areas, and again, like both sides' hands are dirty in this. Uh, but I think one of the areas he went wrong, and I think why a lot of animosity is built up uh, from the fan base perspective. It's the interview, and I, I've said this before. I think I don't know if I said it on the air, but I think the worst thing he could have did was the interview, or at least say what he said in the interview. And from the fans' perspective, they're looking at it as, you know, you basically said, and I'm just paraphrasing here, that you're gonna, as long as you're a Jaguar, you're gonna be there for your teammates, and uh, you know you're gonna perform to the best of your ability. And then the moment you get traded. You know the back injury all is all of a sudden kind of disappears. So you can see why fans would be kind of upset with that. And, and then again, like another thing is like, while he may have been behind the scenes, have told his teammates what was going on. Uh, you know, you openly on the public alienated the teammate and you uh, your teammates and alienated the fan base. And uh, so he, I think if you take that whole interview out of the equation and what was said in it, uh, he he ultimately looks. Uh, more like the good guy than he already does. I guess you could say like a lot of some people think he's the good guy still, nonetheless. But uh, you know, it 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 makes him look more favorable than the front office did in the situation. If you take the interview out of the situation, yeah, because I think the argument can be made early on. It was it was mostly support for Jalen um, up until he starts seeing out games because you know he played. He played well in the Tennessee game, and then all of a sudden the injury came up, and you know he's going to see a specialist and all this kind of stuff. You know, we're we're, we're hearing about all that, and then um, Deshaun Watson picture didn't help, right? Him being in in Houston, uh, that didn't. Which, <laughs> all right, listen, 
I'm not going <laughs> to name names or anything, but click the article, okay, people? Because yeah, <laughs> those the comments on that one. This is after a game. This isn't even this isn't even the pic <laughs> this is last year's jersey. That's not the picture <laughs> that right, right. we were referring to, okay guys? Yeah, please people yeah, yeah. Uh, on our uh, social media <laughs> following, please click our articles before you speak on it, you know? Like to get the details. Just the article. It takes two seconds. It just it takes a couple of seconds. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but yeah, you know, just those things th- those types of things really started to alienate the fan base and a fan base that really has just been supportive of him since day one and you can make the argument that it up until up until he started missing games it was probably about still 80 20 you mm-hmm. know you still had those people it was yeah, i was at that tennessee game i was at that tennessee game and there were a few boos whenever he made his whenever we heard his name but for the multi for the most of the game there was cheering there was a Jalen chant multiple times in the stadium so this fan base was still very behind him up until the last few weeks and I honestly think it's he really only has himself to blame but you know that's that's all that I think we have to say about that you know we'll we'll, um, you know as we mentioned last week we'll move on to the players that are that are here and the team that is that is here uh, and we'll we'll speak on last week's win uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals who remain winless. Jay, I don't know if you listen to uh, the latest episode of the Way Forward podcast which is run by myself, my buddy Eric, but there is a restaurant owner in Indiana oh who is living on his on the, who is living on the roof of his restaurant until the Bengals win a game. Oh so, wow. So, Good luck with that. So this sir. Was, Right. So this was not the week uh, that he gets to come down, unfortunately. So uh, as the Jaguars, of course, pull off the 27 to 17 victory, I think 27 points is what almost everybody across the board on the staff picked as far as the Jaguars <laughs> when it came to our picks. I think almost everybody had this score right. um, almost to a T. It could have um, been a yeah, lot worse, as- too, man. Like they could have scored a lot more. We'll talk about that, though. Uh, the Jaguars yeah, left points down. on the board, man. Right. Absolutely. So uh, we'll get into the box score here for the Jag. Gardner Minshew had a little, I mean, I guess you can, I mean, he still was under 50% as far as his passing, but he did look much better uh, than he did, of course, against the Saints, going 15 of 32 for 255 yards and a touchdown. Leonard Fournette had himself a day, 29 carries for 131 yards. Uh, That's uh, averaging about four and a half per carry. D.D. Westbrook, also had a nice game, six catches, 103 yards. Chris Conley, three catches for 83 yards. DJ Chark, three catches, 53 yards. So DJ Chark is, I believe, fourth right now in receiving yards in the league, which is just crazy to, to, to hear. Uh, right. We finally got um, finally got some turnovers. Miles Jack, Yannick Ngakwe, Ronnie Harrison. So you have all three levels of the defense getting involved in forcing turnovers. So they each had receptions. Miles Jack made a very interesting decision we'll probably talk about here in a second with the football um but it was nice to see um those guys finally forcing some turnovers and then on that Yannick Ngakwe uh interception you saw the man of the year uh in um <laughs> Dave and Brian getting right up the middle and forcing <laughs> that interception um so that he he's still looking solid and then of course we talked about Josh Lambeau who went four for four on those field goals at uh, Cincinnati just continue to struggle, and oh man, as uh, I feel bad for all Joe Mixon fantasy owners, including myself. Ten carries, two yards for Joe Mixon. Andy Dalton, of course, had those three interceptions. He went twenty-two of forty-three for two seventy-six. I think Andy Dalton is averaging something like forty to forty-five passes a game. I mean, just, <laughs> with five that, interceptions that a game. Is, Exactly. Um, he did. Uh, he he was able to find Eric. Uh, I'm sorry, Alex Erickson, quite a bit. Eight catches. For 137 yards, um, but not too much uh, else going on on uh, on the Bengals sides of things, which is what they've been been used to. The Jaguars did outgain the Bengals 460 yards to 291. I think that was one of the most frustrating things early on is they had almost 300 yards of offense and like six <laughs> points, something like that. Uh, yeah. It was just uh, it, it was incredibly frustrating. Um, but yeah, Jay, what do you you know what we, we We'll get it. What as far as a positive takeaways? What did you see in a game that they absolutely had to have and and could not 
you know, afford to lose. Yeah, in terms of the positive takeaways, I mean, you look at um, guys like Fournette, man, who is second in the league in rushing right now. You know, he had the, uh, a pretty good game, 29 carries for 131 yards. The only, you know, the only gripe about that is he didn't find the end zone, but his average was 4.5 on the carry. You know, that's something me, you and Jacob stressed last year or coming into this season at least, is that he needed to get that up, is that yard per carry average up. Um, so, you know, he really, to be honest with you, it, despite the fact he can't really get into the end zone, Fournette is playing at a Pro Bowl level aside from that. Now, he, of course, he'll probably have to get the touchdowns to go with it to get the, the fans to vote on him and, and get them in his corner. But aside from that, he's really doing uh, all he can. I mean, he's look, dude, he's turned. It's, it's crazy. Uh, they kind of talked on this um, on I think it was another. Po- I don't know. It's escaping my name. Right. It's escaping my mind right now. But it was another podcast where they actually talked about this is, you know, Fournette did a 360 with Jalen Ramsey. Uh, here you have Fournette, a guy that, you know, he's had his problems with Tom Coughlin in the past, have, had his contract guarantees voided. And now he's really like, even aside from what he's doing on the field, he looks more like a leader off the field now. Now he's leading the pack. You see him breaking down the huddle. You see him uh, having words at the end of each win or each loss, whatever the case may be. You saw the issue or or you, you saw the incident with him and Cam Robinson uh, where, you know, he was telling Cam Robinson, you almost cost us a game against the Denver Broncos. And, you know, some people made too much of that saying, hey, Fournette's fussing with his teammate. No, he was telling his teammate that, hey, don't be me. Last year, this was me causing – in inflicting penalties on the team and costly penalties on the team. Don't be me. So from that perspective, man, like you can't, you, you gotta be really happy with where Leonard Fournette is and he's healthy, you know? And I think that a lot of that is because of John D. Filippo, even though, you know, he did get a lot of carries this game, but you know, John D. Filippo is kind of doing a good job of kind of spreading things out, if you will, a little bit. Uh, so from that perspective, Fournette was um one of the, uh, positive takeaways dd westbrook with his six catches for 103 yards he was a positive takeaway he dropped one in the end zone though and that's something the jacks got to get taken care of is the drops i think they had over five or something like that on the day um Minshew came to life in the second half uh he was kind of meh in the first half and and then it does help that i think bw well was it that dropped two of his picks uh but at the end of the day uh, he came away uh, with another notable feat. I think he's the first quarterback in history to have a start where he's thrown over um, a thousand yards or something to that degree, or, or a thousand two hundred yards or something. I have to look back at it and hasn't thrown but two picks. Again, you know, BW Webb dropped two, but still, like that, that shows that he's taken extremely good care of the ball in terms of picks. He has some fumbles in his uh, on his resume, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's one or two or maybe even three. Uh, but, yeah, like, it's just crazy to see this six-round rookie still making notable achievements and uh, propelling this team to victory uh, despite, you know what I'm saying, it, they are still under 500. But for the most part, I think they've got their worth out of a six-round rookie quarterback in Gardner Minshew, and hopefully they can get more out of him heading down the road. So, uh, yeah, those were my positives. Uh, and shout-outs to the offense or the defense as well uh, for getting four turnovers because previously they struggled. I think they had two takeaways before this game. They got four in this game, and they won the turnover margin at a 4-0 to zero margin. They're going to need more of that going forward uh, because, as we saw in our Magical 2017 season, a lot of those turnovers helped to mold the Jaguars uh, push to the Super Bowl. They almost made it. They were one game away. And it helped them to get in the postseason. They haven't had that this year up until this point. They need that, especially in this last stretch. So they need to cause turnovers. They need to get interceptions. And they need to get fumbles uh, if they are to make the postseason. And if, uh, you know, they're going to be without guys like Darius and the situation they got at linebacker, the situation they got at tight end, they're going to need to uh, force their opposition uh, to, to give them more turnovers and make the most of them. Yeah, and they got to stop. And uh, uh, they they got to stop getting off to these these slow starts as yep. well. I mean, at one point they were trailing 
uh, to the to the Bengals. I believe it was seven six. I, I believe at one point. Um, and up to the fourth and, quarter, and it was a one possession game. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that was right. up in the fourth quarter. I'm talking like four minutes into the fourth quarter. It was a one possession game. Yeah. That disappointed me. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. That really did. Yeah. And there's no excuse for that. And uh, you know, honestly, if if this if that kind of performance had come against the Jets, who mm-hmm. I, I honestly think are a better team than their record shows, um, especially if they, once they get to full strength, I believe they're much better than what they have been. Of course, taking the Patriots game out of it because the Patriots do that to everybody. Right. And they somehow just got better. And they somehow just got better here in the last week as well, which is just totally unfair. But we'll get to that <laughs> maybe some other time. But anyway. Right. And the Patriots you know, defense that, that's is better TV. than ours too, by the way. I mean, they, they are not in terms of like personnel, ridiculous. but in, with the stats and doing what they have to do and being consistent, they're better than us flat out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, but but for that, for them to go down at any point against the Bengals and look the way that they did was is, is unacceptable. And that's something they need to fix. Hopefully, like like we mentioned, you know, we'll get into next week's game uh, here shortly where we have a. um uh, where you do have a uh, where you, we hopefully go uh, go into the second part of the season uh, for, at 500, um, but but yeah, I guess there's no excuse to go to go down uh, against such a poor team, and uh, hopefully we won't see that kind of performance going forward. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see shoe get a little more comfortable in the second half. It's great to see Leonard running so well and taking advantage of bad teams. And even when it wasn't going well in the beginning, it's nice to see that they kept at it because they mm-hmm. knew they could take advantage of just a just a terrible run defense. And and they and finally you know those holes opened up and he was able to to get some yardage. Um, as far as you know any negatives, Jay, what do you take away from that were you know anything anything bad or just you know straight up ugly that you saw that you, that really concerns you? Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much said it. Um, with the with the good is that you know they should have put up way more points and had more success against that Cincinnati Bengals team than they did. Again, like I said, I think it was four minutes until the Yannick Ngakwe sack or the Yannick Ngakwe interception. It was a ten point game or a seven point game or something like that. Um, so you know that kind of made a caused a trickle effect. Then uh, Harrison got a pick. And, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. And the rest was history. Uh, So, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, they cannot have that kind of performance against the New York Jets, which we're going to talk about later. They got to come out swinging harder than that, especially in the first half. I know a lot of people say, oh, Gardner Minshew's a second-half quarterback anyway. Well, and he's even talked about this himself. They got to start faster, and they have to be more successful. I know that first drive in which um, Leonard Fournette tried to go over the top didn't make it you know that's very disappointing you know you gotta have those seven points uh early in this next upcoming game early in these other games that we got coming up against like the Colts and the Texans and the the Titans you need those points early to set the tone and you know Gardner Minshew has has talked about that and starting fast so to speak so you know maybe that's one of those things that plays into like whether he's starting or Nick Foles is starting down the road but that was a, a disappointing part of it. But aside from that, you know, I, I really and I really don't have any complaints aside from them struggling to to make seven points instead of the field goals. Um, and I really don't have any uh, gripes aside from, you know, them letting the Bengals hang around until like roughly four minutes into the game. Yeah, I think some of the, you know, the negatives you might take away is just them you – know, some of the injuries injuries that they they sustained uh right. like like we've already mentioned just going down the stretch you want to be as as healthy as possible but uh yeah at, le- at least it was you know at least we came away with the win uh, i just hope we weren't gloating too hard because it was the Bengals. so let's, let's not get too carried away <laughs> right. but it is nice and uh, it is good to see that, i mean these are games that you know this franchise is, is used to losing you know where you go in you're like all right we got to get this one and somehow they find a way to lose so it is nice to, to see them at least pull away with a, a victory against a team that they absolutely should have beaten um but yeah we'll uh, we'll move on to next week's game against the new york jets who we just saw get absolutely battered by the new england patriots and you know that's really not saying much that the patriots are doing that to everybody these days apparently um but yeah so we got the jets rolling into town um i believe they were here a couple years ago 
and uh, the Jaguars won that game pretty handily. Um, of course, you know this is a completely different team. Sam Darnold is is uh, is back, and you know you say what you want about last, you know the performance against the Patriots against some other teams this year when he hasn't had mono, which is right. just one of the craziest stories, which one of the craziest stories of the year. He has shown that he is a very capable quarterback. Um, of course, Le'Veon Bell, who has been. Uh, you know, really the only offensive bright spot that they've, you know, been able to, been able to muster there. Um, and then you got a defense that's not 100%. Um, what do you think the keys to victory will be when the Jets come to town? Yeah, well, the key thing here that I think that the fans should take into this is uh, do not put too much, like you said, into the whole situation with the Patriots. Uh, because as as we've seen, not only are the Patriots a better defense than the Jaguars, the reason because of that is because of coordination. Uh, Todd Wash, again, he's been inconsistent. He's had these blunders now. As of the last, what was it, this game and uh, last week, you know, they've been kind of consistent and they've held the, the opposition to under 20 points. But again, look, they played Andy Dalton and the worst team in football, arguably. And then they played a, you know, they played Teddy Bridgewater as opposed to Drew Brees uh, the week before that. So um, and then that's not to say that Sam Darnold, per se, is like a, a better quarterback than either one of those guys at the moment. But, um, yeah, that being said, like I said, don't put too much into like how they performed against the Jets because Todd, Todd Wash can have uh, one of those blunders where basically Le'Veon Bell lets loose on our run defense, especially with the injuries. Again, like we're beat up and we, we might be without a few of the key run, uh, the, the the key people in terms of run support, Najee Good. And they it seems to look like Darius is going to play, at least from how Marone said it, that they plan to have him back this week. But again, Darius is playing on the core muscle injury, so he's not 100%. We might see a little bit more of Dontavious Russell there, per se, or uh, some younger people there in the interior, which, you know, that can cause some issues. And, and again, I mean, Le'Veon Bell has kind of struggled this year. I'm going to just come out to say it. Uh, but that being said, it wouldn't shock me if he came out and put up 200 against us. Granted, Todd watches history. And the key with him is the Jaguars just have to be disciplined and patient. And if Quincy Williams is in the lineup, you know, he, he's shown in the past that he can get uh, he can he can be out of place at times. And that's that's the kind of stuff Le'Veon Bell, in my opinion, flourishes on. Is you know he's so patient he'll wait to the last second to make a cut or whatever or he'll make a wait to the last second to get into a hole or whatever. We all seen the infamous Malik Jackson video that uh, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter where he shook Malik Jackson out of his boots and Malik was on the sideline like I almost tore my knee up like, trying to tackle <laughs> yeah. him. So like with that's that's a, <laughs> the, the sound he made. He was like oh oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like Hank Hill. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what, what's going on there? But, yeah, he straight up embarrassed Malik Jackson. And, look, he will embarrass the rest of the Jaguars' defense in one-on-one situations if they aren't patient, if they over-pursue, if they're out of place at times. Um, Not, not to say that Le'Veon Bell is the fastest guy in the world, but uh, patience is one of those things that, like, I, I think personally that I like about Le'Veon Bell. And, um, you know, to be honest with me, be honest with you, he kind of scares me going into this matchup because he hasn't had that 100-yard game, and Todd Wash is the perfect person to have that 100-yard game against. So, and and again on the outside, Robbie Anderson scares me. Robbie Anderson was having success against us when we had Jalen Ramsey, you know, like those quick twitch type of guys. Uh, him and Boye struggled with, and it wouldn't be surprising. It's been times where he's got the best of Boye too. It wouldn't be surprising that if um, he had a very good game, a 100-yard-plus game uh, performance against the Jaguars. So they had to be on their P's and Q's against him, especially with two young safeties back there, and we've seen the struggles there too. So, uh, yeah, Robbie Anderson and Le'Veon Bell are the two that we need to uh, look out for. And, yeah, they got to get Sam Darnold on the ground if the game plan isn't to get the ball out of his hands quickly, which it probably will be. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we've seen Sam Darnold have have flashes, and then the Jaguars do have the history of making uh, <laughs> subpar quarterbacks 
look really, really good. And not to say that, not, not saying that Sam Darnold is a subpar quarterback, but in the correct circumstances, he is very good and uh, he has the ability I think to be to be very good. So um, yeah, same. I echo the same thing you you do. Uh, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell is yet to have that breakout game, and he's been very, uh, from all reports, he's been a very positive teammate on on the Jets as well. So he's right. even though the season has not gone the way that they wanted it to. And remember, up until uh, C.J. Mosley went down, they were looking good in in Week One against the mm-hmm. Bills. They were looking really solid. C.J. Mosley goes down, and then, you know, you had all that drama with Jamal Adams. You know, who knows what's going to go on there. But right. they've got pieces. I, I think that's probably – I can I, I can relate to the Jets because they have pieces of a really good team. Mm-hmm. They, they definitely do. And right now, unfortunately, things are just not coming together the way that they uh, – so yeah, um, it, it is a game – is uh, that mm-hmm. I want to say because you're a Cowboys fan and you witnessed this, you know, they they handed the Cowboys right exactly, to, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't be <laughs> shocked, you know, especially with again with Todd Wash's history, not just with the, the run game blunders, but don't be shocked, it would not surprise me. And I'm, I'm personally scared that he will have this type of game that type of game that he had against the Cowboys, where they they got their first victory of the season and their only victory of the season. The Jaguars have the capability to make him look like that again, despite having these wonderful pass rushers that we have. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, I feel like Todd Wash might play too much prevent at times. Um, I feel like Robbie Anderson has that quick twitch that can get past the situations when they run man-to-man coverage at times. And this is, to be honest with you, this is a scary matchup, much more scarier than the Bengals. Ooh, you know, we were looking at that as a trap game, too, albeit the Bengals were very bad. But uh, this is a much more talented team than the Bengals, and they, they possess uh, way much more talent than that team. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is a game I think that fans should not really look at the records. Um, I, I think you should probably throw that out because this this does have the – the possibility that it's uh, the, the, I would I wouldn't I would be upset, but I would not be surprised if the Jets came in here and found a way to, to grind out a really ugly game mm-hmm. um, and uh, with us. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, pretty much all we wanted to to get into as far as this week. Uh, make sure, of course, you're uh, checking checking up on the Jaguars wire.usatoday.com for all of the up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. Jay, uh, what do we got uh, You know, coming down the pipeline for them? And then uh, we'll get out of here. We'll call it a night. Yeah, man, we're going to monitor these injuries. Um, hopefully I'll finish up the injury report for tonight. We're going to monitor those. Uh, it's Wednesday currently, the 23rd. Uh, we'll monitor those uh, today, tomorrow, and Friday, of course. Uh, we'll have more intel on the jets as well gonna do a q a with them probably i'll get with gary phillips shout outs to the jets wire uh we'll have other articles on you know players to watch against the jets that uh, i have the guys to do and shout outs to them i've been forgetting to shout out everybody that's been contributing you know from robert to daniel and will and uh of course i mean i guess i don't have to shout out you and jacob because y'all are always on the podcast with me but those guys have been putting in work and a lot of they've done a lot of the looking at um, the other team type of stuff. And with, in Robert's case, he's done a lot of the spread stuff. So I really appreciate what they've been doing and the help they provided. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to um, to uh, hopefully get this victory against the New York Jets as we should. Yeah, it would be really nice to uh, come out with a victory and go f- be four and four heading into the game in London, and it's especially against a very you know we don't want to look too far ahead, but uh, a Texans team that that's playing much differently than they did in Week Two, um, so I don't think you can go in there and hope that thirteen fourteen points beats Sean Watson, who may be on an MVP type run this season uh so yeah of course as i mentioned you know when we started make sure that you're uh, you can check out all of our content on iTunes. i'm sorry apple Podcasts, stitcher tune in iheart radio spotify and the audio boom network if you want to support the podcast you can go to apple Podcasts and give us that five-star review if you feel like we have earned it uh, also follow the podcast at jagsden podcast 
also at the Jaguars Wire. You can find Jay at SportsCry underscore Don, myself at Phil the Filipino, and then Jacob at underscore Jay Della. Um, but that's it for us, guys, here on the Jags Den. We appreciate all of your support, and thank you so much for listening. We will see you guys next time. Go Jaguars. And uh, instead of the usual ending, we'll just end with uh, pay Yon, pay Yannick Ngakwe. All right, let's, let's, yes. let's get that man his money. All right. We should do that one more often. Yeah, give that man his money. Please. <laughs> exactly. Pay, hashtag pay Yon. Do That's we, how we'll end it. You guys do have we a good need night. to have to, uh, <laughs> I was about to say, do we have to freaking get a, uh, what they what they call it, a, a patron going for Yannick or something? Right? Or a GoFundMe? Like, yeah, a GoFundMe. That's what I was trying to say, a GoFundMe, because it looked like Tom Coughlin and the company. It, they're just taking their time, but yeah, pay on.